Hey friend, I'm Laura Lee and welcome to Living in the Light. Here on the podcast, we share our stories of how Jesus has brought us from the dark and into his glorious and powerful light. This is a space for you to be encouraged and to remember that your story matters because with God, even the brokenness has incredible purpose and meaning. I'm here to bring real life to light. Hey friends, welcome back to Living in the Light. I'm so honored to have Ruth Chow Simons on the podcast today. I heard about her book coming out titled When Strivings Cease, Replacing the Gospel of Self-Improvement with the Gospel of Life-Transforming Grace. And I knew that I had to have her come on the podcast this season. Ruth says, if we believe that Jesus is truly enough, Why do we spend all these hours trying to be enough? Ruth ministered to my soul the day we had this conversation. It was a day where I was feeling particularly weary and run down, and the Lord really used Ruth to encourage my heart and to remind me again of his love for me, his care for me, and the rest found in him. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I wanted to bring Ruth on the podcast in the midst of season three of Living in the Light, as I'm sharing the unfolding story with the Rise Collective House, because the gospel of grace has and continues to transform my life. I'm an Enneagram One, a performing artist. The title performer is literally in my job description. And I'm continuously reminded of how deeply I desire to do the right thing and to please and honor God with the work he gives me to do. And though it's a good thing to desire, At the end of the day, I won't do it perfectly. I always come up short, and I realize that it's because I can't carry the dream. I'm not even the one who created the dream he's put on my heart. It's all him, and because of him, and through him. And so it's by his grace alone that this story is being written. It is by his grace alone that I have come to know and love Jesus. I am not enough, but the good news is that Jesus is. His grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in my weakness, in your weakness, in our weakness. I may have big vision and big God-sized dreams, and I'm sure you do too, but what God cares about more than anything is our hearts. He loves us so much. He loves you so much, and he wants us to receive his love, to be loved by him more than anything else. Jesus died on the cross for us so that we could receive his life-transforming grace. And we can trust that he can carry out and finish what he has started. So if you're feeling weary from striving, I believe the Lord is going to encourage you through this episode. A little bit about Ruth. She's pretty amazing. Ruth Chow Simons is a Wall Street Journal best-selling and award-winning author of several books, including Grace Laced, 
Beholding and Becoming and Foundations, her first Bible study curriculum, Truth Filled, released in 2020. She's an artist, an entrepreneur, and a speaker, using each of these platforms to spiritually sow the Word of God into people's hearts. Through her online shop at gracelaced.com and her social media community, Ruth shares her journey of God's grace intersecting daily life with word and art. Ruth and her husband, Troy, are grateful parents to six boys, six boys, their greatest adventure. Ruth and I recorded this episode a few weeks back before her book was released, but since then, she has brought it into the world and you can now get your own copy wherever books are sold. I know you are going to be so blessed by her wisdom on the podcast today. Now here's my conversation with Ruth. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I am so honored to have you. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I have loved getting to dive into your new book, When Strivings Cease. And I was just mentioning this, but today felt like a day that I personally needed to hear you talk about the grace of God and the good news of the gospel. Um, So let's dive into that. Well, first, actually, I would love if you would just tell the listeners about Grace Laced, because I have followed your creativity and your work through Grace Laced for a few years now. I think I found, um, found you maybe through watching If Gathering and had watched you paint on there and then was like, oh, this is so beautiful. As an artist and a creative, Mm -hmm. I just love how you're using your gifts to just point people back to God's word and scripture. So I would love just like a little bit of information about what Grace Laced is. Yeah, thanks for asking. So yes, I before I was an author and a published author and artist, um, I was blogging on a blog called Grace Laced Mm. back um, almost 14 years ago. And honestly, all I was trying to do was just trying to remember that God's grace intersects my daily life because quite frankly, my daily life did not look the way I thought it would look. It was a little mundane. It was Mm. a little exhausting. It was not Instagram worthy. None of those things. I wasn't using my gifts the way I'm using it now. And at the time I thought, you know, I just need to remember that just because I'm not a missionary or I'm not going to the ends of the earth doing something amazingly adventurous for God, he is still at work in my everyday life. And so I started a blog called Grace Laced. Mm -hmm. And years ago, speed through the next 10 years or so, um, between just writing faithfully and honing the craft of writing on the blog, and then really working my way into Instagram format where there was opportunity to showcase a little something image oriented. And at that time I would have little, my little ones, um, I'm a mama to six boys mm-hmm. and um, my youngest were, they were just homeschooling at the time. And um, we would just take nap time as a time to paint or to do something creative. And I would join them and I would paint because watercolor just dried so fast. And so I was like, okay, let's, yeah. let's do a little watercolor because I can't take out my oil paints. And um I still remember my first Instagram posts were just mm-hmm. of me standing up, taking a flat lay photo of it, just taking a quick photo with my cell phone yeah. um, above the table. And then I would write a few words to share what I was thinking, what I was painting. And that really became the first devotional thoughts paired with artwork. And so soon, a few months later, people said, can I buy that? And I thought, well, Lord, I, I've always wanted to have 
a, a shop and I'm very business minded, but I was like, it's never felt like the right timing. But for the first time, it felt like it was the right time. My sixth youngest one um, was well cared for by his older brothers. We had like just a lot more helping hands. I was in a different season of motherhood. And so that fall, um, after doing that on Instagram for a while, just had an opportunity to open a shop in conjunction with my blog mm. and it became Grace Lace Shop. So that was about eight years ago. And wow. so now at gracelace.com, I get to use my artwork and um, I have a team that helps me now, but I get to use my watercolors that I paint and turn them into lifestyle products or artwork or stationary products, things that help the everyday woman turn her days to the beauty and the truth of God's word when we're distracted with so many other things. Yes. Wow. That's such a beautiful story. I'm so glad I asked. That's cool. It's, it's awesome to see just how organically it happened. Yeah. That God just started using something that you enjoyed to do to bless other people. Okay, Ruth. So pretty soon your new book, When Striving Cease, will be available for everyone to read. So Mm -hmm. how did this book come about? And why do you feel like women need to hear this message now? Yeah. You know, like I said, I've been a founder of a ministry and company called Grace Lace for so long, but I've never really told the story of how Grace became, you know, not only the namesake of the the organization, but also just the cornerstone of my own personal life Mm. and, um, and why Grace, why I want to be laced with Grace. What's so important about that? And so, you know, it's taken me a long time to want to talk about um, the story of how that came to be, because, you know, quite frankly, we live in a time where women love to hear formulas for success. We're obsessed with self-improvement and self-help. And quite frankly, even if we don't think we are, we're walking down the aisle and what catches our attention at any bookstore is, you know, living your best life, reaching your goals, how to clear out the clutter in your world. And all those things are really good tools. I mean, let's be honest. We all kind of need some help with how to strategize and do a better job with the things that we've been given to do. But what I feel like is a real um, heartache for me is when I look around and think, wow, women are really exhausted, weary, and always questioning whether they have what it takes for the life that God's given them. Mm -hmm. And really, of all people, we ought to be the ones who have everything we need for life and godliness, because the book, the Bible actually the, the word of God actually tells us that we have all that we need, mm. but we don't act like it. And so I started thinking, okay, how, how is this possible? How is it possible that we are women who say Jesus is enough, but in actuality, when we live our days, it doesn't mean that we can't have a weary day or we're not sleeping well and we're tired. Like, of course, we go through the seasons like that. But what is it that's causing us to think that we have to turn to strategies rather than the Lord for what we need to Mm. um, deal with our everyday lives? And what is it that causes us to think that we have to strive and hold all things together when the Bible is so clear that it's God who does that? And so when when I was thinking about just the landscape of being in the industry of writing and creating and the fact that I meet so many young women who literally stand in the line while I sign books and ask me, what do I need to do? How, what are your best tips for getting to where you're at? And I realized, wow, we have more pressure than ever to strive mm-hmm. and hustle our way to um, 
belonging, to self-worth, to feeling like we're not wasting our lives. And, and here's the thing. I, I wrote this book because I wrestled with this my whole life. And when I was young, um, the story that I haven't really told until now is that I was born in another country. I was born in Taiwan um, as, a, as a Chinese-American young woman moving to the United States, being caught between two cultures, both cultures, even if you have no experience with an Asian-American background, we are all aware that the Western culture is also very approval and performance driven. And I was raised right between two cultures that were both very image or achievement, honor driven, very, um, that's mm. primarily a lot of my Asian background, but really we all live in a, um, a world where we're measuring all the time. We're measuring whether we've lost weight, we've gained weight, whether we have, you know, have gained followers or lost followers on social media. As a podcaster, I'm sure you're always tempted to measure how many downloads, whether your message is getting out, how fruitful your investment is actually becoming as a business owner, always wondering whether we are achieving the goals that we're, we're wanting. Mm -hmm. None of those things are necessarily wrong in terms of stewarding well those gifts. But the truth is, striving is when we're anxious about trying to manipulate or control or affect change in an area because we don't trust God for the very things that we really need. So we're trying to gain it for ourselves. And that's the root of our culture's obsession with self-help and self-improvement is basically, let me find all the tools in which I can live the best, my best life and make sure that I get everything I want because I don't trust anyone else, especially not God, to give it to me. Mm. That is so good. Now, one of the the things you said in the beginning that I really loved was it's the story of God has always been about his faithfulness and our yeah. faithlessness and him moving towards us. Yes. So I would love to hear like, why, why do you think it's so important for our core beliefs in who God is to be what defines us? I love the way you just asked that because that sets me up to basically tell you, I am convinced more than ever mm. that um, this is a fancy way to say it, but that our, our orthodoxy affects our orthopraxy, which is just a fancy way to say what you have, what you believe will affect everything that you do. Amen. So you, if you believe that God is a distant and angry father, you're not going to go to him. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to, want to read your Bible, yeah. right? If you believe that you're totally guilty and that you have something to prove, you're going to act accordingly. But if we believe that God's faithfulness and his pursuit of us is relentless, then you can start running, but you will realize that in your heart of hearts, you know that he's coming after you, that he loves you so much that he won't let you go. So do you see how like, it's so important to actually get correct what is true about God? We can't just make up these stories in our own minds. And so, you know, I think about the fact that we live in a time where um, in some ways, I just think that women don't necessarily, well, men too, but I'm just speaking to my sisters here, but yeah. Um, we're pretty, we're pretty comfortable just reading little tidbits of God's word to just soothe what we need for the day. And we don't necessarily know the redemption story of God's love from beginning to end. When you look at all of what God's done, mm. and I love that you just pointed out that part of the book, just that 
it's always been his story of his pursuit mm. of us. He's, it's always been about you and me not having what it takes. But nobody likes that story, right? I mean, do we really want to, who wants to, sorry, listener, like who wants to hear, hey, you don't have what it takes. That doesn't sell. Like nobody wants to feel like we don't have what it takes. That's why all the self-help books are like, no, you got it. Yeah. You're the one, you're the best, you're enough. And what I'm saying is if we look at it biblically, we don't stop there. It's not just, you don't have what it takes, period. It's, hey, guess what? You and I don't have what it takes. That weakness that you feel, it's the real deal. You're actually weak. You're finite. You wear out easily. You're faithless. You're freaked out all the time. You're scared. You worry yourself silly. That's true. But guess what? That's why Jesus came. Jesus literally took our place and made it possible for us to lay down all the ways in which we are trying to reach God and he will give us access to him because of his righteousness. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just giving you the big picture of it, but really, basically, I think we're living like we're so far off and unable to come to God because we're not good enough. We're not great enough. We've got all these things we got to fix up in our lives. And the whole point of the grace of God mm -hmm. is, hey, I'm, I'm going to be the one who causes you to be near to the Father. Mm. and forever with him and that, that's just a different point um that's a bit different starting point for me and you it's a different starting point for us to say okay my identity is secure in in and with christ and if that's secure then i no longer have to do all these things or act in certain ways to try to achieve or acquire approval or love or purpose or acceptance and all these other areas, I can have that through Jesus and not prove through my good works. Mm. So Ruth, why, why, what do you think it is about God's grace that makes it so hard for us to fully accept mm -hmm. it? Or, or what about ourselves? Yeah. Is it about ourselves that makes it so hard for us to mm -hmm. accept it? Because we all have different yeah. stories, right? Like I just think about right. all of our different wounds, like you told sure. your story and I have my story and the sister listening has her story for what it is yeah. that we're all just searching for the same things that yeah. finds its fulfillment in him. Yep. We're, we're, well, we're all more alike than different, right? And so the truth is every single person who's listening right now, including me and you, we are all wanting to be known for who we are, mm. to be loved and to know why we're here. Like we all want to know that we're not going to waste this one life. Right. That we were made on purpose for a purpose. God help me find what that purpose is. We're always wanting. And we want to be known and loved and have approval as in like have welcome from others, right? We want to know our place in the world and what God has for us. Those are all things that we want. And those, God's put that desire in our hearts, but we keep going to everything else but him to find the fulfillment of that. Yeah. And so I would say the reason why it's so hard. And I mean, I, I don't really wish that I had written a book with 10 easy steps, but there's a, there are times that I think this would be a much easier conversation if I was like, Hey, I'm here to talk to you about my book with 10 steps to finding, finding freedom. Right. If you just follow these 10 steps, we've got it. But instead I'm sitting here talking to you about something that feels really hard to grasp. Mm. You know, it's a Tuesday afternoon and quite frankly, um, it's hard. It's hard when you've had a tough day. Maybe I've had a tough day. We're, we're kind of weary. We've got a whole lot waiting on us. There's a lot of unanswered questions in our lives. We're waiting for yeah. God to answer 
things that we don't feel quite right about. How do you want grace more than you're striving on a day like today? And my answer to that would be to say, you have to recognize that in your sinful nature, you will always be, we will always be who Jesus spoke to in Matthew 5. We will always be the Pharisees who are like, if I just get my religious efforts right, I will nail it. I'll be okay. I'll, I'll rise above. Yeah. And that is why the Apostle Paul spent so much time later saying, hey, listen, because of Jesus, he, you literally just need to come by grace through faith and you're not going to be good enough. You're not going to be great enough. So that feeling that you woke up with, and I don't know about you, but for me, when I woke up this morning and immediately had that sense of like, if I just get these five things right, okay, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. If I just clear this, make this work out, convince that one friend that I'm, you know, my perspective is right. If I just nail these things and then if I read my Bible for 30 minutes, I'm sure like everything will be better. And then we're so discouraged when it's not better because the reality is the grace of God has always been the vehicle by which God wants our hearts. He wants to Mm. access your heart. I mean, at the end of the day, the part that we have such a hard time with is we want to do. We want to basically achieve and do and get to where we want to go by striving, by doing good works, by doing good things, by getting an A, by people saying good job. And what God is after is for our surrender. And so because we, in our sinful nature, really could not surrender on our own, he sent Christ to take the place of our hardened hearts. And like Ezekiel says, to give us a heart of flesh, a heart that's soft and able to respond to him. And so then we actually get to be near to God, our creator, because of a softened heart. And so doing, doing, doing won't get us where we want to go. It really has mm. to be about surrender and the grace of God makes that possible. Mm. Surrender. I mean, when we talk about it that way, it feels amazing, but I'm, I'm just saying you kind of have to, I don't know about you, but I have to repeat it to myself because I forget when I wake up in the morning, I'm not actually like, wow, I'm sustained by amazing grace today. That's not really the first thing that goes through my mind. I mean, I wrote a book about it, but I don't think that the first thing that goes in my, goes through my mind is um, my life will fall apart if I'm not amazing today. That's actually what I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking if I don't hold it together, if I don't come through, things will fall apart. And I think what God would have us to say is, your will, God, has held me together today. I have breath today because you've assigned me mm. this day. You've given me a day, this new day, because you're in control. Who am I to think that I am so powerful, so big that I hold all things together? Colossians 117 says, yeah. in him, all, all things, things hold together. together. And so because of his grace, all things hold together. So this is not just one big theological, like, let's talk about the grace of God theologically so that we're on the right track. It's that when you know God's grace to be better than your striving, Mm -hmm. then you can trust a God who holds all things together and you can stop working so hard to be in control yourself. Wow. That's just a deep sigh. I think we can all collectively just take a deep sigh. Oh, it's so beautiful. I I envy the fact that you get to talk about this for for so many um, 
just, it's so beautiful that you get to, that you wrote a book about it and then you get to repeat this to yourself, you know, over and over again. Cause I think that is so much a part of it that we know the thing and can journal the thing and read the thing in a book right. and then read it in your Bible, but like to actually like sit with what that means and how we are changed by it every single day. Yeah. It's like putting yes. on our clothing again. Like I have to put and this clothing why, on again today. Right. Perfect imagery. That's why Paul says put off and put on. Yeah. It's not automatic. Mm. So whoever's listening today, if you're feeling like, wait, I know this. I mean, I went to Sunday school. I'm a believer. Like I know this stuff, but I'm still struggling. I'd say, Girlfriend, I'm still struggling too. Yeah. I'd say if you are weary today, it's probably a good reminder that God's like, hey, sweetheart, you've like forgotten that you're not in charge. I'm still here. Mm -hmm. I'm your father and I want you to draw near. I want you to trust me for the very thing that caused you to become my child in the first place. Trust me for what I can do, not for what you can do. Mm. I want to ask maybe there's someone listening who doesn't even know what surrender means. Could we just sit there for a second and you just explain like, what, what does that look like? What does surrender look mm -hmm. like? You know, I don't think I understood what it meant for a long time either because mm -hmm. I thought myself, um, I wouldn't have said that I was prideful, but I think I walked around thinking that I, was important that I had a lot of like what I'm talking about, just having a lot more control over my own life. And it wasn't until I really started thinking through the God of the universe, forming and fashioning human beings from dust and causing them to be the Imago Dei image bearers. We, you and I, and all who's listening, we have been made to be able to reflect something of a creator God so holy that we can't even face him, so holy that um, Moses would glow after being passed by mm -hmm. by a holy God. When I have that great of a reverence for God, um, do you start you know, throwing the door open and just stomping into the room? Or do you kind of walk in with some humility and say, I don't even know the mysteries of how great this God is. Mm. And so when I walk in, I'm walking in and laying myself low. That's the beginning. So when we say surrender, I can't just, I can't just get real like, um, I don't know. I just can't be like praise song about it right off the bat. Let's not just get all like, Oh, surrender, surrender. Yeah. We, let's start with like who God is and who we are. Yeah. God is great. He's infinite. He's never ending. His love is literally extravagant and we are fickle forgetful so much so that in the garden you know eve would actually choose hey i might know better than god right that's where we come from that fallenness and so when we think about the majesty of god stooping low coming in the form of a babe mm -hmm. and dying a most brutal death so that we would be rescued that causes me to surrender. And let me define it now. In that context, it means acknowledging and aligning my heart to who I really am. Somebody who needs my father to pick me up and hold me and not allow me to fall. That I must have rescue because I would be in utter ruin and destruction without his rescue. And when I align my heart with that, surrender isn't 
oh my goodness, I'm such a failure, I give up. It's realigning my heart with what is true. True, the truth is mm. I'm loved, I'm wanted, I'm rescued, and I am incapable to do this on my own. And then that's where I take everything that I have, everything, my artistic skills, my writing, my dreams, my hopes, everything. And I go, I'm, I'm setting them right here. I surrender. Surrender means I give up my right to be the boss of my own life. I give up the, the, the right that I perceive. It's not even like I really have the right to be the boss of my own life, but I feel like I should be. And I give that up and I say, I'm realigning because I was misaligned. I'm realigning with the truth that you're actually the king and I'm not. Mm. And so to me, surrender is so much more than a feeling. I think sometimes we walk through life and we go, I surrender. I just want to have a feeling of like, I'm done. And that is true. That's not, that's not a bad thing, but it's so much deeper than that. I think true surrender is actually having your mind aligned with your heart. That it's not just a feeling, but that you actually acknowledge the truth that I give up the part where I think I'm the boss and I'm going to let you be the ruler of all. You created me out of dust so that I might reflect who you are. I surrender to that. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really what God's called us to. And the crazy thing about that is when we do that, he actually literally transforms as and causes us to have the fullness and the satisfaction that we've wanted all along but it just isn't possible until that alignment truly happens. Mm. And I'm thankful that God brings us back to that place over and over again. Like it is his grace that every time we get to that weariness again, every time that we return to our flesh, that he reminds us so gently and kindly that it's still sufficient and that he's still there to give us that gift, which I think for me on the days that I feel weary and um, I've clearly lost sight of, like you said, who I am, like what, how, who he says I am, but then also just my identity that it can feel shameful of I didn't have enough faith or I, I got lost again. <laughs> like, right. why do I keep getting, like, why do I, why do we talk about this God and you teach me this thing and then I get lost again. But like you're saying, I think what's comforting me in your words is remembering that that's not like, that really is what, what we are. Like when we sit with that, instead of in our pride, think if I just get to that point no, this is our point, you know, and that is why God and his grace is continuously such a gift. It's a different way to, it's, it's transformative to think of it. That's why the apostle Paul would say that there is now no condemnation. Yeah. He wouldn't have to say that if we were so good at remembering why there's not that, that guilt is not where we sit in that yeah. we are such you know if we if we didn't wrestle with that he would have to remind us that but he does right. to tell us hey it's not that there's no condemnation so therefore sin all the more it's that there's no condemnation remember how you've been bought by mm-hmm. the blood of christ and so i i like to say and i'm sure if you've read any of my books you know that this is my maybe my obsession but i love 
it transformed my life when I realized the pattern um, that Paul uses when he writes a letter, that he reminds his reader who God is at the start of the letter. He always says, hey, don't forget that Jesus is preeminent. Look what God has done. Mm-hmm. Look what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. This is your internal inheritance. He spends all that time at the beginning of Galatians, beginning of Romans, beginning of Ephesians, beginning of um, every every time you, you see he clearly restates the gospel. And then from there, what does he do? He always says, and therefore you are, this is who you are then. Because that is true about God, this is true about who you are. And then after all that is when he actually says, so now walk in a manner worthy. Now put on and put off. Now love others and forgive. Don't hate, um, you know, whatever it is yeah. that we're trying to do. And I think you and I might wake up in the morning and immediately want to go to the put on and put off and all that we're supposed to do. And we forget that what fuels, what fuels right living is actually right believing. Mm -hmm. That we have to start believing what God says about himself, what God says about who we are. Without that, there is no fuel to actually step out and live by grace in in the faith that he's given us. There's no Mm -hmm. way to do it. Hey friend, Laura Lee here. Just stopping in to remind you about a couple of ways that you can stay up to date with the Rise Collective House here in New York City. As I have been sharing on this season, this house is a discipleship living collective that will soon be seeking out residents for year number one. If you're listening to this and you are a woman in her early 20s seeking to move to New York City in the near future and you're longing to find strong Christian community, and to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I wanna encourage you to sign up on the Rise Collective House interest form. It's just a Google form, it's really quick, so that I can send you more information about how you can get involved. You can find that interest form in the show description. And then if you're a woman listening who wants to join our awesome online Bible study community, you can also find a link in the show description to connect with other women and engage with our Bible studies through Rise Collective Women Online. I believe God is doing a huge work through his children here in New York City and through the women in this community all over the world. And we would love to invite you to join us. Now, back to my conversation with Dr. Derwin L. Gray. Well, Ruth, I'm an artist and there's a lot of creatives that listen to this podcast. Mm. I interview a lot of artists and creatives and they share their stories of how Jesus has brought them from the dark and into his glorious and powerful light. Mm. And I would love to hear how has the grace of God impacted the way you approach being an artist? Because I know for me personally, and maybe for those listening as well, it's can feel like, especially in the day and age we live in where you just see everybody's art all the time. There's limitless opportunities to perfect things. And it's, it's just not art is not the way it used to be where you just created something and Mm. put it up there. It's like the whole world can see it and there can be a lot of pressure, Mm. I guess, as well. Absolutely. Um, So how does uh, ceasing from striving, um, how's that impacted your artistry? Well, first of all, I would say, there's a reason why I don't think God 
gave me the opportunity to do what I'm doing now 20 years ago. Mm. I wanted to, in my early 20s, I really wanted to be published and to run a business and to lead and to speak on stages. I wanted to do all those things. I wanted to be an artist that was paid for my artwork. I wanted all that. And I couldn't have told you then what God was doing, but now I can look back and say, I think I failed to understand early on the grace of God and who I am in him. And so all that creativity would have been used to um, strive to get the notoriety or the, the affection or the affirmation from others. And that would have really taken all the joy away from doing the very work that now I believe can bring glory to God. And so I would say, it's not that I don't fall into any temptation for that now. Like yeah. I still struggle with it from time to time, but on a practical level, I, there, there's, there are guardrails. So for example, I, I don't spend a lot of time scrolling and looking at other people's work. I choose pretty carefully who I allow to speak into my life mm. with um, who I follow, who I, you know, and it's not like I even, I think following is a silly thing because you have path with time. You don't see yeah. the, the post that you follow. So it's not just that, but just recognize that you're being discipled by somebody as a creative Somebody's speaking into your life about your creativity. And so for me, part of what keeps me remembering that, um, well, well, let me back up and say first, when you first asked the question, I started with who, where I was 20 years ago. And um, there's a reason why the book now is being written all this time later. But the lesson that I've learned really is that if you don't do it for the audience of Jesus, you will be doing all your creative work for other people. And you will constantly be looking for the approval of others as the measuring stick for whether or not you are called and equipped and whether you are supposed to be doing what you're doing. So think about all the people who've given up on using their gifts because they haven't gleaned enough attention. They haven't garnered enough followers or they're not making enough money doing it. Not saying that there aren't different seasons for Mm -hmm. different skill sets, but I think it's the most freeing thing in the world when your audience shifts and you're not no longer doing it for your Instagram followers, you're doing it for the Lord. And that, I'm not trying to give a Sunday school answer here. I'm truly saying it shifts when your audience is one rather than a thousand or a hundred thousand. And so certainly I do think that that's guarded my heart a lot um, because I don't think it's easy to do things in the public arena anymore. Right now, I feel like um, it's very easy to overthink. It's easy to compare. It's constantly this um, depleting environment on social media. So there are practical guardrails. For example, like I said, um, it's not healthy for me to go and I don't, I choose not to follow some of my peers because I don't need to. Like, if I really want to keep in touch touch with somebody, I can. I don't have to watch and follow everything Mm. on social media. That's one thing. Secondly, on a practical level, um, I would continue to strive every day and be in that, like, hustle, hustle mode if I didn't have some kind of a rhythm that took me offline more Mm. regularly. So one of the things that takes me offline regularly is to spend time in nature. And... I don't think you have to live in Western Colorado where I, was I live to, say, to be able to do Colorado, that. I mean, what a beautiful place. Right. I mean, I, I live in the mountains. And so, mm-hmm. yes, that's just my natural context. 
But if you live near a park, if mm-hmm. you are in the city like you are, um, I guarantee there is something outside that can mm-hmm. cause you to wonder and be in awe of God. Because as creatives, for anyone who's listening, if this podcast reaches a lot of people who create for a living, content creators, artistic creators, musical creators, whoever you are, if you're a creative, um, it's really easy to look down at your work. Like look into, I don't mean like look down on your work, but like just to look down and hold your phone all day long, to like look at your computer, to look, you know, if you're drawing, to look constantly at what's in front of you and to forget and realize that God is at work so much more than just what's right in front of you. And I think it's important to stay faithful where you are, but my goodness, when we step outside, when we serve in our communities, when we're a part of our local church, it kind of humbles us in a way that actually increases your ability to be creative because you're not idolizing your own work. You know, if you're a musician and all you do is sit sit there and keep strumming and keep strumming and keep trying to come up with the coolest lyrics ever, Honestly, if you step away from that for a while and go have a conversation with somebody or go serve um, your local community or go for a long walk and observe the ways that God is at work, you'll probably come back more refreshed and capable of putting words together mm. for lyrics, you know? So a question that I have for you that is genuinely something that I'm wrestling with is when you, Ruth, are in a season of go. Like there are seasons where, you know, you're doing the work behind the scenes. You really feel like the Lord is like laying the foundation for something. But then when it's, when it's go time in an area of your life and you have tasks and assignments to do, and there's, there's real labor, like you're, yeah. you might feel like you're in a season of go right, right now with birthing a book. Yep. Um, how do you labor in the grace and strength of God? Like, what does that practically yeah. look like to, yes, be, doing a lot of work and it wearing on you, but then also mm-hmm. like functioning from a place of grace. Yeah. I love, I, I love the way you're wording these questions because they're, they're truly the right questions to ask. Hmm. It's not the striving, the act, the, the, the actual action of working hard is not wrong. We labor, we do, we are called to labor. There's a difference between striving in grace and striving for grace. And I think there's the big difference there. In a time, in a season where you've got a lot of deadlines, you have to hop on a plane and take care of things that you are being called to do. There's a lot of busyness. There's your, your schedule feels full and you're exhausted. And all you want to do is sit back and watch some Netflix and eat popcorn and hang out and you can't. The difference that what keeps me motivated is the reminder that I operate because out of gratitude and being the recipient of something I don't deserve. I truly am like, okay, if I am the recipient of God's grace, if God has been so kind to faithfully provide in everything, even to the point of doing what I'm called to do right now, then I am in stewardship mode. I will I will finish the task. I will wash the dishes. I will fulfill the things that are hard even right now because I'm striving out of the grace that I've already received. The difference is when we strive for grace, that's, oh my goodness, if I don't finish this interview, if I don't complete this thing, if I don't finish this task, if I'm not good enough, I won't be loved. That is, that's tyranny. And that's daunting. And that's what causes us to be 
exhausted in a way that's different. It, we, we should be grateful when we go to bed at night and we're like, wow, Lord, what a day, what a day you've given me. Mm. I had opportunity to serve you today. I am going to sleep well tonight. You're exhausted, but that exhaustion is out of gratitude and grace that you've already received. The kind of exhaustion where you hit the sheets and you're like, but, but I should have, I should have done more. Oh my goodness. What if, what if nobody likes it? What if nobody, um, you know, buys the book? That is the kind of exhaustion that, that comes from working to receive approval from others. So all I'm saying is if you're in a season where it's demanding and is requiring a lot of you, get in the habit of telling yourself what you already have. Start with the reminder of all that you have in Christ. What is true about you? Don't, don't let somebody else inform that start every day remembering and giving thanks for what you've already received because out of that is a reservoir that doesn't empty very quickly. When you're filled up in Jesus, then you actually have more to give. Mm -hmm. If you're starting on empty, thinking that you're lacking so much, then yeah, you're going to be running on empty and burning out. Mm -hmm. And so the honest truth is I'm here on a podcast today Mm -hmm. after having done maybe 20 some podcast interviews in the last two weeks. I mean, it's, it's no joke. Like doing, doing a lot of communicating and talking is wearing for an introvert like me, but I'm operating out of stewardship and God, thank you. Thank you for all that you've provided. And so I'm not going to wear myself out and burn myself out trying to achieve and gain and access approval, I'm going to say, Lord, I have your approval. If I didn't do one more podcast interview, you'd still love me. But because you love me so much to give me this message about grace, I'm going to do everything I can to articulate it for every person who might listen. So thanks for the opportunity to go on this podcast today. Mm. So thanks for having me actually today. Oh, you know, you're blessing me for it. and so many that are listening. So, um, so last question, Ruth, I just want to ask you, you're sitting down with a woman in her early twenties. I'm imagining that being the listener, but I'm also yeah. a woman in my early twenties. So you're speaking to me as well. Um, looking into her future with excitement and zeal and passion and lots of life ahead mm. and big dreams. Um, what's just like one piece of advice that you would give her? Yeah. Oh, so many. And you're like the target person I'd love to have coffee with every week and check in with like, this is like my heartbeat because nobody really did that for me when I was in my twenties, like on a consistent basis. And there's so much I would tell my younger self, but one, I tend to be that person who doesn't say, I don't mince words. I try not to like just sugarcoat things. So one thing I would just say is if you're not faithful with the things God's given you right now, there's no room to grow to see all that he might give you in the future. Mm-hmm. And so scrub the floors, clean out your fridge, write that letter that you're supposed to write to check in on somebody. No task is too small and too mundane for even all your zeal. In your early 20s, you have so much passion and you think you're so I don't mean this in a weird way, but you think you're so gifted at so many things and like the world needs to know that I'm good at this. And yes, the world does. And I'm so excited for the world to, to see all of y'all's gifts. Like I want, I want everyone who's listening. If you're in your twenties and you have giftings, please 
Don't be shy. Use those giftings. But you know what will make all the difference in the world is if right now you invest in how to be faithful with what God's given you. And if that means that you need to finish school, finish school. If that means that you need to make it right with your roommate who you had a conflict with, don't go serve the Lord in some big spectacular way and not confess and repent and make it right with your friend. If you are like trying to write big, amazing songs and write big pieces of writing about Jesus, but you can't sit with him for 30 minutes and talk to him, then your heart probably isn't getting nourished. Who you become in 20 years, girls, is absolutely little moments that add up over those 20 years. So Mm -hmm. don't, don't neglect the small moments in your life right now. Be faithful there, even when nobody's watching invest in your hidden and private small moments of your everyday life because God sees, God knows. And in 20 years, I promise you all those little moments that were never made it to Instagram will actually inform the ministry, the work, and what you take on stage with you if God chooses to put a microphone before you someday. Mm. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You really ministered to my soul. And I I know you blessed so many people listening. So go buy her book, you guys, When Striving Cease, coming out so so soon. Yeah. Thanks for listening, friend. If you're loving Living in the Light, would you subscribe to the podcast? It means so much to me because it really helps people find the show. And I want others to be as encouraged as I am by the stories that God is writing. I'll be back next week as we continue with the story of the Rise Collective House, and I hope you will join me as we watch in faith and remember the Lord's faithfulness in the story He has unfolded over the last year. I love getting to do this with you every week, and I love sharing my story with you. It's an honor and it's a joy. I'm going to close us in prayer, and as always, read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Ephesians chapter 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, we thank you. God, we worship you for your grace. We thank you that it doesn't rely on us, that we don't have to carry any weight, God, that you carried it on the cross for us so that we could live in freedom, so that we could live in your grace, God. We thank you for your love for us, for your care for us, that you say your yoke is easy and your burden is light. God, I pray for the listeners today that whatever striving, um, the pressure they feel, the weight that is just looming over their head right now, God, that it would just fade into your arms, God, that they would just hand it to you, cry out to you and trust in you, trust that you um, will take care of it, God, that you are taking care of them. God, you delight in loving on us. So God, we praise you today. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. As always, go in light and in love, and I will talk to you next week.